as, as they're gathering together, I'll let you know that it was 40 years ago on this day that my wife promised to love, honor, and cherish me. And, oh, I did make that promise back to her. So, uh, we, yeah, we're, we're celebrating uh, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I debated on, well, you know, I want to make that. that but here's, here's what I thought of this morning. I said, I, man, I, I just glorify God in that. You know, I just glorify God. He has made that uh, a possibility. He, he's, he's given that, and it is a gift from God uh, to be in that relationship. Uh, there, are, there are some folks here who have done it longer than us. Bud and Charlotte, how many years now? 60 years in August. 40, 40 is nothing, Okay. <laughs> 60 years in August, we're going to be celebrating uh, Bud and Charlotte's uh, anniversary. In that, am I right, Bud? That's a praise to God? I thought he'd speak up a little bit more than that. He's just saying, <laughs> yep, Charlotte, just do one of those. That's what Linda does. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we're, we're, we're celebrating, and, and uh, we absolute bl- absolutely blame God, his creation, and, and what he's given to us. Uh, it is worthy of praise. You know, we could celebrate all kinds of things, but man, when it comes down to it, God is good. <laughs> God is good, absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to uh, uh, just, we need to jump right in today because we're going to finish up chapter 17 and there's, there's quite a bit to cover. So if, if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to chapter 17, I'll remind you where we were last week, uh, the map from... Where we were, I don't have my pointy thing. I, I was enjoying that. Some of you have said you love maps. And so I thought, well, I'll just do more of that. So up, up in this uh, uh, left-hand corner, upper left-hand corner, Thessalonica and Berea is where we were last week, if you remember. Uh, just, just things that happened there. Uh, kind of the same thing as they, they took the gospel into the synagogue. That's where they began. And, and so... Uh, Paul just was able to preach. Uh, many people received the gospel, and it, was, it wasn't just Jews. It was Jews and Greeks and, and leading women as in both places, in, in Thessalonica and Berea, were receiving Christ. Uh, there was also trouble that followed each time, and they were coming from other locations. They were kind of following Paul around. So after trouble came up in Thessalonica, they went to Berea. Berea was significant because they, they were listening to Paul, and then they were going back and looking at the Scriptures, examining the Scriptures, encouragement to us. You know, just don't believe what I say. Hey, pick up, read chapter 17 again, or wherever we are. Read that passage again. See it for yourselves. Uh, just the contents of Scripture is so good and worth our, our, our attention. Uh, Thessalonica, then in Berea, uh, again, the trouble came. Uh, again, and so some of the new believers there in Berea took Paul away, and, and they went south, actually southwest, uh, got in a boat, and went to Athens. So Athens is, is just below the Thessalonica and Berea. So that's where we're at today is the Thessalonica. You can take the map down now uh, just to let you know where we're going. I, I do want to, to read a portion, not all of it's going to be up there, but just in a way of introduction, 
uh, he's in the city of Athens, and it is a significant city. So I'm going to read for introduction a part there. It's not going to be up here, but if you have your Bibles, you could, you could open and listen. And I'm, I'm just going to uh, bring some things in uh, along with uh, the scriptures I'm going so we know and aware what's happening. So in 16, in verse 16, I'm not the only one talking. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> That's okay if somebody else wants to share, uh, but we'll keep order anyway. All right, verse 16, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, again, when it says waiting for them in Athens, that was Silas and Timothy. They were left behind in Berea. And so here's, here's Paul in Athens. He is waiting for Silas and Timothy. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Okay, we're talking Zeus, Hermes, Athena, Aphrodite, and, and on and on and on. Numerous gods. And, the, it, and Athens was just filled with all these gods. Matter of fact, there was a Roman official that, that is actually quoted under, who was under Nero. He wrote this. Truly, our neighborhood is so well stacked with deities at hand, you will, you will easier meet with a god than a man. That's his, his description of Athens, that it was so full of, of uh, well, we'd call it idolatry, it was so full of God worship. Um, in verse 17, we realize because he was provoked, because he was disturbed of all the things that he had saw, he couldn't hold it in. He became impassioned. He did not wait for Silas and Timothy, but he began going into, as it says in this verse, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Basically, you know, in translation, it, it opens up a little bit more what they're saying. It is, it is not a compliment by any means, but what they're saying is that, saying that he's a babbler, that, that they are actually describing Paul as a bird picking up seeds of information here and there and carrying them around without any critical thinking. That's why they called him a babbler. It is this image of a bird picking up seeds of information and just spreading it everything, and that's what it looks like to them. Paul is just throwing up all kinds of information in front of them. And, and it makes, to them, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to some of them, the ones who are calling him babblers anyway. Um, Paul is... Uh, well, let, let, let me talk just a little bit about Athens. Athens, some of the details about Athens is, is highly cultured. Uh, Athens is one of those names we could, we could speak around in community, and, and it's a familiar place. Uh, Athens was highly cultured. There was, they were high in art, in, silent, in science, and in philosophy. It was the home of Socrates and Plato. Uh, it was the adopted home of uh, Aristotle and Epicurus and, and also Zeno. Uh, it was considered, it, as I was doing research just on this, this place, uh, it was the most important university city of the ancient world. 
and they were very proud of it. <laughs> I, I think about that as, as one person said, you are the best people to be deceived by something new that was said. So they were very caught up in, in new ideas and thoughts and, and research. And, and, and I, I don't want to be demeaning at all. This was really a place that, that thought was, was very much present and, and uh, knowledge was, was just increasing and growing in this city. Um, in verse 19, uh, they, they basically said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That's Paul, right? That's the Paul we're familiar with. He went into the synagogue and, and would preach Jesus. And here it said he went into the synagogue and into the marketplace. So he was talking to, he was engaging everybody. Again, because of what he saw in Athens had just impassioned him to speak more about Christ and, and that resurrection. In verse 19, they, you know, with all the thoughts that he was expressing, they took him or they, they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, May we know what this man, what this new teaching is that you are presenting. The Areopagus is basically a council of the Athenians, including you know the Stoics and the Epicureans and other philosophers, the people who are knowing. Matter of fact, as we if we continue to read the rest of this, um, presents why they're doing this. For you bring some strange teaching to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Verse 21 says, Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. So Paul comes in preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and, and they're engaging with Paul. He's, he's sharing some details that we don't even know about, and, and they say, well, we want to hear more. They take him to a very important place. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they take him to the place the place where uh, basically Paul is going to be facing some professional thinkers in Athens. So, so as we get to this message, my focus this morning is upon the message he is going to be speaking before all these people. Now, it's not, hey, let's look up Isaiah again, or let's go into the Old Testament and see what the scriptures are saying. In this case, these, these people are cultured pagans. Me, and again, they're worshiping all kinds of gods. Matter of fact, let me begin in our text today. It, it, this will be up here, beginning in verse 22. Here's, here's uh, kind of the introduction there. Uh, Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And they are, Right? All these gods, they're worshiping, they're sacrificing, they're very religious in the fact that they are worshiping all kinds of deities and gods, and, but not the one true God. Okay, And then he says in 23, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. That's Paul's introduction. 
he, he's walking through. In that time that he's getting real distressed, he's walking around uh, uh, this, this city of Athens, and he's seen amongst all the other altars uh, an altar that says to the unknown God. I did hear a story um, of, of the possibility. I'll say, call it a possibility of, of what had happened at one time. Uh, there, was, there was a sickness or, or, or some kind of plague that had threatened Athens some time ago. It, it happened uh, in their history. And at that time, well, which God do we sacrifice to to overcome such a plague? The idea came is let's bring a herd of sheep up to the city and set them loose in the city. And wherever a sheep goes up to the altar or lays close to an altar, we will sacrifice that sheep to that particular God. Oh, Zeus or Hermes or Aphrodite, whichever altar. But... If, if a sheep lays so, happen, so happens to lay in an area where there is, is no altar, they would then build an altar and sacrifice it to the unknown God. That was interesting. So in that idea, this sign of to the unknown God might have been all throughout the city. And, and man, this was the inspiration for Paul. Paul spotted that. So I'm going to tell you who that unknown God is. And so we begin in verse Uh, 24. Here we go. These are Paul's words. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even of Uh, Some of our own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Listen, uh, as we look at this, F.F. Bruce calls this this section or or Paul's preaching that Paul is given an introductory lesson to Christianity for cultured pagans. An introductory lesson for Christianity. Uh, To the Jews, he was able to go and and immediately talk about the coming of the Messiah. But to Gentiles or or cultured pagans, they need more. They needed to know about God. So, uh, overall, I just kind of themed it this way. God made himself known. But I think the title of the sermon is even better. What, What Paul talked to the Athenians about... He said that God is, you know, God is the one. God is the eternal God. There, he is the one and only. Matter of fact, is, is all the things he put within the contents of this message. The first point 
I especially want to point out in verses 24 through 26, Paul points out that God is a sovereign God who created everything. Creator of all things. Um, When we look at the Athenians, the, the thinking of the Athenians is built on a foundation without the Creator God. All their education, all the things that they were researching and finding, the very foundation that they were standing upon had was, was nothing about God being the creator of all things. That was absent. How, you know, and I, I had to think that's much like our today's universities, right? Our, our places of learning, our places of knowledge. There, there is no, I mean, in that, you know, evolution happened. It, everything just happened, it was just created. And that's what our education systems are built upon. That is a weakness. Matter of fact, that is a huge weakness for our, our education systems. That they have this overall denial that God exists and that God created. There is, there's an absolute wisdom. Matter of fact, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or 2. Uh, in both places, it speaks about there's this wisdom that comes from God. And, and, and even, the, you know, even the, the, the foolishness, if you consider any kind of foolishness from God, it doesn't even touch the greatest wisdom of man. You know, it, it, is, it is well beyond any of the wisdom of man because we have denied him. Our, you know, the world around us has denied that he exists. Uh, in their thinking, again, pagan gods are mentioned. That amongst, especially the philosophers, uh, th- there had to be some in the group because of some of the things that they're uncovering and knowing that, that these, these gods around them that are being worshipped and they continue to worship are like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, if you know what I mean. They're, they're, they have prominence and truth about them. Is, it was more about drama and the stories. That, that, that continued. Still predominantly over the city, there's still that belief in those gods, but, but they all looked at these gods as they were really gods who were uninvolved in this world. They were disconnected from this world. They, they had powers and things like that, but they could care less about humanity. Um, when it comes to Stoic, just talking about some of these philosophies, especially Stoicism and, and um, Epicurean uh, philosophers that are mentioned, uh, the Stoics were pantheistic. When it says pantheistic, I mean, everything's God. Every, every, you look around. Matter of fact, the world, the creation around us, that's God. Everything that has been created, you know how pantheistic, we, we have people who think that way today. That Boy, you see that tree? That's God. See that bird? That's God. You, you see everything around us? That's God. It's pantheistic in their thinking. Uh, there, there was also this, this sense of, of moral that, that they would teach and, 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 and try to promote. Um, they, were, uh, uh, they, they believed that, that humanity itself was all uh, interconnected. Uh, which there's some truth along with the things that they were finding and uncovering. They would look and, and investigate into life, and, and, and they had the belief that... Er, that there was this interconnection amongst all humanity, which, which there was this idea at one time that whatever ground, wherever you were, is where you sprang up from. That, that kind of uh, shifted and said, well, you know, we Greeks are better than those barbarians because we were raised here and they were raised over there, you know. So there was that sense of separation. Amongst the Stoics, they had this, this sense that, that there's 
a great good in, in, in connectedness. Um, they had a sense of duty. Someone said that they, the Stoics were those who had a stiff upper lip. They had purpose. Epicureans, everything, uh, they, they had this belief that everything came from small particles, that all of us are, are put together with small particles. That's pretty insightful. Again, this idea of research, and that they were finding some truths that, man, later years we'll find out about atoms and how we're connected and even DNA, uh, how, how we're put together. But Epicure, Epicureans believed in those small particles, and, and, and they also believed that the smart, small particles someday would just break apart and that would end. So the idea was this, that they would, they would value pleasure. I mean, it was that idea that, you know, hey, today is a day. You know, pursue pleasure. Uh, find joy in life. That was their great pursuit. Uh, so, so in their teaching, again, that was within control. Moral control. Self-control. And, and in that, their pursuit was to be free of pain. Uh, they wanted to be free of disturbing passions. They wanted to be free from superstitious fears. Again, that pursuit of enjoying life. But when particles break, break apart, they, they didn't believe in any kind of afterlife or any resurrection. So as Paul brought it up, they're the ones who later on just are saying, oh, mock, mock that kind of idea. Uh, these are the people that Paul came in and said, introduced that, that he knows the God who created us and everything else. God is the one who created all things. In verse 24, he said, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. That's kind of an absurd idea that the God who created everything, that he needs humanity to make some kind of a, a, a temple for him or a house. No way. Uh, he, he does not need humanity. The God who created all things does not need, he doesn't need us. He, did, he doesn't need this building. We didn't build this building because God needs it. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need sacrifices from us. We need God, though, right? We're the ones who need, and he loves his creation. He loves us. That's, that's the amazing part of it. In verse 25, he makes it very clear um, that, that, again, we don't need... Well, let me just read 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. But then in the last part of verse 25, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's the giver. And we, are, we have received from him. And, and so that's the point he is making uh, with these Athenians. It is God who created. And he is powerful. He, he is, he's made it all. And not only that, but he has pointed out that God is sovereign because of that. Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul introduced, or, or excuse me, verse 26. Let me go to there. In verse 26, he points out that he is Lord of all things. He created all things. He's made it, and now he is involved in everything he created. He's not the God who stepped back and just set it in motion. God has continued to be involved in everything that he created. And he says it in this way, uh, that, that he raised us all from one man. And I think he has their attention in this because they know history. 
They know the movements of people and, and, and even this thought that, that some of their philosophy, again, is that we're all connected. So they had, he had their attention in this. And, and so uh, we all came from one man. And then the second part of that, he has allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling. If we think about nations, we, again, we go into the Old Testament, but they know history. They, they know things of Assyria and Babylon and, and the Medes and Persians and, and how kingdoms are raised. They know Israel, how kingdoms are raised and how they fall and, and new boundaries and locations are made. Even the seasons. And, 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 and to know that, that Paul's claim is that God has been directing and leading that throughout we, we could see and understand God. Matter of fact, that's the point he brings in the second truth that I've written down. Uh, there the second truth is this. If you seek God, he can easily be found. He says that in verse 27. Listen, here's what he said. Uh, ultimately, God created, God is involved. Why? That they should seek God. They should seek God. And then he adds this. And perhaps fill their way toward him and find him. The last phrase says, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. He's not that far. Not hard to find is that idea. And I thought about my grandchildren. You know, when they were in that, that age of two and three, man, they were fun. And playing hide and go seek was the best game ever. So we'd play hide and seek, and I would hide my eyes. And even while I'm okay, I'm gonna count to ten. You guys go hide. I don't. They didn't. They didn't have that concept because I'd start counting one, two, and I could hear them giggling. They were just giggling and and laughing and stuff. So I already know where they are. But as soon as I open my eyes, you know, they they might have made some effort. You know, it's it's over next to the chair, but they're looking right at you. You know. Are you familiar with that? Or they're, or they're just sitting there on the floor right in front of you and, and giggling. And they just think this game of hide and seek. They haven't got the concept of hide. But that's God. And what we're saying to people is open your eyes. And Paul says seek, look for him. You're going to find him. And that is not living, leaving your critical thinking behind. That's not. You could bring your critical thinking. You can look at the scriptures. Consider this. There is more evidence. Paul's just using creation itself. But when we think about scripture, we think about the coming of Jesus. Oh my goodness. Do we have reasons to believe that God is? And I'd say absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that excites me. Paul is excited to speak to a bunch of cultured pagans who have no idea that there is the God who created all things, who fashioned, uh, who fashioned and continues to be involved. It, he continues to be involved, even thinking about this year, that we're going to do some voting. But I guarantee you, God is going to be involved of whoever is our next president. And the, even before, because it says in Romans 13 that he establishes leaders. His ultimate goal is not a kingdom here on earth. His ultimate goal is a kingdom over there. I'm getting off my topic. But anyway, so, so understand that God is in control. Our God, who we are connected to, we are his children. He's in control. And that's what he's sharing with uh, the Athenians in this passage. Here's what I, I'll just share this one more point. 
Here's the exciting point. It's not just that he created and that, 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 that we're connected with him in that. But he's gone so far as to send his son. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. Sons and daughters, children of God through faith. Okay, I thought if anybody said it, or if y'all shouted amen, we'd be done, and I'd go ahead and pray. We, but no, you're gonna, I'm going to have to go on to the third point. I, I think that is exciting. God has gone to this extent, and it does come up in, the, in this last uh, point as we get there. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Um, okay, yeah, I am missing quite a bit here. Sorry. Uh, let, me, let me go to this point. Uh, uh, just that thought of Jesus, and that really comes into this final point. And that final point is this. He is God who judges and demands repentance. That, that the God he is introducing, he's going to say he is also the God who judges and demands repentance. Verses 33, or 30 and 31 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked. Speaking to, to these pagans who have been worshiping other gods, he says, the time for ignorance, the, the time of ignorance has been overlooked in the past. He said the same thing in, in uh, uh, his message to the people of Lystra. Uh, just to remind you what was happening there, Paul and Barnabas at that time were traveling through the city of Lystra, and, and there was a man who was crippled there, uh, Paul. Uh, healed him, you know, his faith had healed him, and he got up and, and, and showed them. And the people, these pagan people, went to, to worshiping Paul and Barnabas as gods. And Paul said, no, no, you don't understand. And part of his message was to focus on this. He said, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. What did they do? Well, they created gods for themselves to worship. He said, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he, um, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even then, even while they were pursuing and worshiping pagan gods, God continued to bless them and, and, and provide for them and, and had mercy upon them. There was a period of mercy for all people prior to the coming of Jesus. In their ignorance, they were worshiping things that they themselves were creating with their hands. That's what it says in verse 29. In that, in that, um, the coming of Christ makes something brand new. And what happens is it stops all our excuses. Uh, as I said, you know, there's, there's this evidence of God's uh, existence in, in creation alone and in his involvement we see in this world. Uh, we see evidence of God coming through, through the word that's been given to us. It's written out. But man, there is absolute evidence of God's existence in the coming of his son, Jesus. Right? In the coming of Jesus into this world, the way he lived his life, the miracles he performed, the fact that he died upon the cross for a purpose to cover the, the sinfulness of our lives, and, and then he was raised uh, from the grave. 
In the scripture, Paul says, he commands people everywhere to repent. Repent of what? Verse 31, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he will give assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Repentance from ignoring God. Or from the ignorance that humanity's had of rejecting or not even thinking of the God of all creation. And the call for Paul's sermons continually has to be this. Repent. Repent, right? He did it in Thessalonica. He spoke it again in Berea. And now he's speaking it in Athens. And he went back to the very beginning. Hey, God created God created, and you're able to find him if you just open your eyes. And this same God, if you, if you choose not to seek after him, I, I want you to know that there's a judgment coming, and this man, Jesus, whom he sent, is going to judge you. You're going to stand in judgment. Before, boy, that time you are going to, to believe. You're going to be able to see for yourselves that he is. What you've, you've actually had the opportunity to see all along. There's going to be that day of judgment. In, in the fact of the resurrection, I love this. We are given assurance through his resurrection. This, Jesus didn't come and claim to be Messiah and died and stayed in the tomb. He gave him assurance, or we are given assurance because our Savior lives. He rose from the dead. And he is, he is seated at the right hand of God. He is going to return and, and collect those who believe and received him, those who have acted in repentance. Um, I especially uh, think about who we are today and, and the opportunity we have to, to take a message to other people. I, I don't know the people you're speaking to. Where do you begin? I think it's always going to be begin with that message of Jesus, the greatest evidence of, of God. There are some people who are still doubting the, of God's existence. So perhaps maybe some of Paul's very words encourages us to say, listen, look around. Consider that the creation around us, uh, th- there had to be a creator uh, with all wisdom and, and intelligence to be able to create what we see and behold and enjoy in every day. The conclusion of of all this is in 32 through 34. That's not going to be up there either. But let me read for you what happened through Paul's message. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. We knew that was coming, right? Some didn't believe in any kind of afterlife. But others said, we will hear you again about this. Perhaps that means that that they, they were going to continue to consider what was said. Some people just need a little time to chew on what, what they've heard. So, hey, we're, we're going to talk to you more about this. And so maybe, maybe they had opportunity to hear some of those who had actually seen the risen Savior. Or others as they come. Or, or to be able to watch this, this message that was given and, and how it began to affect the world and how it continued to spread. Uh, and and, and it, there's a possibility that, that maybe their hearts were turned. In verse 33, so Paul went out from their midst. He left, but, but some men joined him and believed. Some men be, 
joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Arapagite, uh, I'm really ripping that apart, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So as, as we see, like everywhere else, there are those who hear the message and receive. There are those who hear the message, mock and reject. And then there's those in the middle who are saying, man, tell me more. Help me understand. And so for them, we're just saying, God, may your spirit continue to strengthen and lead and direct because this is a place. Hey, listen. What the word he's given us, this is not that we come before him with empty thinking. We don't come to him with empty thinking. Uh, he's, he's laid out his word for us, put evidences before us to know that he is God. And, and that he sent his son into this world that we could believe in him and trust the fact that, that in order for us to, to get it back into a right relationship with that creator God that we could repent and be cleansed through his death and resurrection and, and be joined again to him. God is good, and God is. Go tell, the, go tell the neighbors around you that God is, and that's going to correct a lot of bad thinking in this world. That one message is going to correct a lot of bad thinking, and, and the correct thinking comes through Christ. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for this day. I praise you, Father, for this chapter 17. Uh, Father, for us to be able to listen to Paul's words, the direction that he takes. I pray, Lord, that we have that opportunity just to sit down and read this again, uh, to, to see for ourselves, uh, having your spirit lead us, your words lead us to understanding more of the details that, that he is speaking. Father, we here this morning believe in you. We trust in you. And there are some in our midst who are seeking, looking, and, and asking those questions and, and is looking for your direction. So we pray for them. And, and we ask, Lord, that you continue to strengthen our faith. Lord, we praise you for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus this morning, for the, the sacrifice he made upon the cross. And that wonderful assurance we have of all the things that are true because Jesus lives today. We praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.